Not on the Goblin's Corner. We're reviewing Shadow of the Demon Lord. That's how we roll. 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 Welcome to the Goblin's Corner. My name is Eric. And I'm Matt. And we are on the fourth day. It's Friday, guys. Woo! Yeah, kicking it to Halloween. We got another game tomorrow, but tonight we are reviewing Shadow of the Demon Lord. This is good stuff. It, it really is. If you got, do you guys like D and D, but you don't feel like playing D and D? This is it. You guys want some hack and slash? Did you ever want to play Army of Darkness as a game? I think we've got the game for you. Now you were saying earlier you had you had a combination where it was like Army of Darkness meets. The Witcher meets D&D meets Call of Cthulhu. It's it's kind of a whole bunch of different games grouped into one. It's written by Robert Schwab, who wrote the Book of All Darkness for D&D. He wrote a bunch of other shit, too. But it's it's that kind of motif. So if you like... So this is clearly going to be Sunshine and Rainbow. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a horrible place. And there's horrible, awesome monsters to be had in this place. It takes place in this world called Rull, R with the little U hyphen thing, L, Rule, maybe? An umlaut. Thank you. It's what a, e. However it's pronounced, and I never figured Rude. that out because I was too lazy to, to, to figure that out. But it takes place in that land, and you can adapt it to other lands as well. But the game takes place in a world, in a world, standing in the brink of the apocalypse. It hasn't actually happened yet, but it's about to. And shit's about to get real. And this is because there's this demon lord. Yeah. And he, or she, or whatever it is. They. Is, and this boundless evil being of, I would say, godlike power, most likely, is going to bring about the apocalypse. Now, the cool thing about it is there's a whole bunch of templates you can choose from. So You get to pick an apocalypse. You get to pick what's going on. What's what's happening with this? Oh, you, you want... You want death by plague? No problem. You want an army of zombies marching up out of the graves and eating everybody's brains? You can do that too. You want eldritch horror? This is where we go, the Cthulhu mythos we talked right. about last episode. Or something else. You could. There's templates to do all kinds of other shit too. Things from beyond the universe or, again, demons popping up. And the idea is that the shadow of the demon lord as it approaches the land starts corrupting the land wherever it touches and all kinds of nasty stuff starts popping up, starts making people crazy. Yeah. I love the fact that if you ran this game and I ran this game, it would be two completely different games. Not because we're different storytellers, but you can, the templates literally provide different worlds. Yep. And you can hack and slash, you can do some storyline, Eldritar. It's a very adaptable game, which is why we decided to choose this. Now, I would definitely say this is, if you're going for horror games, this is definitely a very close D&D-esque type game. This is then, adventure horror. This is adventure horror, right. So we've talked about Eldritch. Eldritch horror. We've talked about Jenga horror. Right. And we've talked about hmm. Western horror. Right. And then tomorrow we're going to talk about a different horror, but we'll we'll get to that later, guys. It's a mighty interesting world, too. First off, magic's real. Everybody knows magic. The gods are there, but they're somewhat absent. Right. And then technology. Yeah, steam power. Yeah, it's there's a steampunk element to this. You want you guys want some 
some adventure horror with some steampunk, some clockwork people, or maybe, and I found this in one of the books as I was reading through, there's literally a monster with, and in the background, there's a steam-powered chainsaw. And I was like, that's straight up an homage to Army of Darkness. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a really interesting game in terms of how it's written, the fantasy-style horror a la D&D that they've put together. And honestly, I think this would be great for if you want to play something Ravenlofty, but you don't feel like playing Ravenloft one day. If you're into fifth edition and you want to maybe play around with some rules. Well, this is honestly, this is a good kind of uh, semi replacement for Ravenloft because the only thing D&D has put out so far for Ravenloft is a curse of Strahd. Yeah. The whole rest of Ravenloft, the whole rest of the demiplane is still kind of absent from print. And this this has a lot of, there's a lot of different game books for this too. Yeah. Now, I only we're only reviewing the main book because right. we didn't have time to go through all these books. But honestly, after reading this book, I'm getting all of them. Nice. Because it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's worthwhile. So let's talk a little bit about the dice system. All right. So it's a D20 system with D6s as boons and banes. Correct. Now, you may have never played with Boons and Banes, and let's describe how Boons and Banes works. It's it's actually really simple. If you've ever played 5th edition, you get an advantage or a disadvantage, and with advantage or disadvantage, you get to re-roll, right. or you roll two, depending upon the house rule and stuff like that. What is it? It's You get to re-roll twice, and you take the... The highest yeah. for advantage, or roll twice and take the lowest okay. for disadvantage. With this, for every boon you get... Let's say I'm I'm undercover and I'm high up. I've got I've got the elevation initiative. Maybe I even attack first or something like that. I might get a D six right. for every advantage. And then I roll. So in this case, let's just say there's three advantages, three boons. Then I roll three D sixes. And then you take the highest of whatever that is. Right. So what that means is is that it doesn't mean you take all of them and you add them together and then you roll your d20. No, 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 no. You take the best of it, which means the most you can get is a six. Right. Of But the thing is, is the more boons you have, then the, the higher chance you're, the higher you're chance getting, of that getting, a, getting that six. And then you roll your d20 and you just add that six, whatever that number happens to be, to the rest of your roll. Now, banes work the same way. If you have a bane, it subtracts that number. Right. And... Banes and boons will cancel each other out. So if you've got three banes and three boons and you roll three banes and two of, and it ends up being a six and you roll three of your boons and it's not a six, then you're going to take a disadvantage. Because if you get the highest number in a bane, let's say you get a, you roll, let's say out of three banes, you roll a six and out of three boons, you roll a five. Then you have a minus one to attack. Okay. I got you. It's yeah, they cancel each other out. So the highest number regardless gets added and the highest number for bands gets subtracted. Very simple system. Gotcha. It sounds more complex than I'm explaining. No, I no, I'm with it. So if I rolled a 5 and a 6 at for one for boon, one for bane, you add you literally add and or subtract both of those numbers. They cancel each other yeah. out, right? Alignment. Super simple. There's one. Yeah, there's no alignment whatsoever. Play as you will. So for those of you who don't particularly like alignment systems, then you're set to go. Yep. Now, here's the thing about alignment. They do have two other scores. Oh, and by the way, strength, dex, con, int, wiz, cha. Same thing. But 
You have insanity and corruption scores, which is very similar to the insanity scores we talked about yesterday. Right. But the difference is, is you may gain insanity when you experience something that mortals were not meant to see. Right. Something horrific. Sure. So if you've seen some shit, you're going to get an increase to your insanity score. Corruption scores are really if you do something that's, that aids the Dark Lord. Right. So if you do something bad, usually, oh, well, those kids are getting murdered. Well, I'll just go ahead and kill this guy, too. Whatever. Whatever. If could you're be. the thing that was never meant for humans to see. Then guess what? You get corruption. At a certain level, you start rolling to see what happens. You get derangements, or you, if with, in case of corruption, you get like weird mutations, like your nose rots off and you weep, ooze. Well, that's not good. No, it's never good when, you, when your nose rots off. But sometimes with insanity scores, you might actually come off better than you did because you made it through. If you were uh, like, a, I think if you were like a 20, you end up getting a permanent bonus to resist insanity because you've come through horror unscathed. Gotcha. But most of it's awful. You've most, learned coping mechanisms. Yeah, but most <laughs> of it's pretty bad. Like most yeah. of it, you're just crazy. You have weird tics. And then anything corruption based, you're just you're just fucked. It's no bueno. Nobody wants to blink their teeth. That's correct. All right. Let's talk about the action system in this. It has a very interesting and very simplistic action system as well. PCs that are taking a fast action always go first. Okay, so you've got the monsters and the PCs, so you got a fast action, and I, I always go first. Right. Always. You So there's no initiative. There's none. Okay. It basically works like this. Fast actions go before slow actions. PC actions go before monster actions. So you could take, oh, and it should be known that slow actions, uh, slow turn is what they're called, fast turns and slow turns. Right. A fast turn is one action, and a slow turn is two actions. So if you want to attack twice, you take a slow turn. What that means, though, is, is because... Because PCs always go in front of monsters, if you take a slow turn, you're going to be first in the slow turn. But if right. the monster only wants to bite you once and they take a fast turn, they're going to hit you first. And, yep. and so strategically, it's a balance between do I want to go first and smack the monster one time or do I want to wait and see if I can dodge the monster and hit him twice? Yeah. It's all about those trade-offs. It's real. Yeah. It's kind of a cool system. And it's, it's a lot simpler than an initiative system and it gets rid of a lot of that randomness and a lot of that uh, tracking of things. Yep. Let's talk about the things you can play. All right. What can we play? Well, clearly you can play a human. Yeah. Cause they're default in every game. Right. Changelings. These aren't the nice changelings. These are the ones made of dirt and sticks and gravel and they are shapeshifters. They, were created by the Fae to replace the children that they steal in the in. Right, yeah, that similar to the old school changelings. Yeah, it's interesting, but you can be you can play a changeling. You can play clockworks, and these are souls stripped from the afterlife, and they're bound to mechanical bodies. So they think kind of steampunk warforged. Yeah, if anybody's played e Eberron, you got dwarves. They're dwarves. They're greedy. They were cursed, I think, too, in this game. Because everybody has a horrible, horrible storyline. Goblins are a race of fae that were banished from the fae realm for some unknown crime. 
and they spend most of their days in trash heaps. Yeah, they literally, the description was they live, they're filthy, and they live in trash heaps. Which, what if I want to play a clean goblin? Well, do it. I'm going to do it, do right? Because right. I'm the kind of storyteller that allows that. You also can play orcs, and they're children of the Jotuns, I believe, or Jotuns. Yeah, it's the Jotun. giants. Yeah, the giants. And they were twisted by the Empire as the perfect, basically, warrior race. Gotcha. And then I think they broke free, and now they serve themselves, which that's interesting. So if you want to play something, you know, like the freed warrior, or right. if you want to play, you know, human, which is anything, play a clockwork creature. It's kind of similar to the uh, the old Dark Sun where the gladiators. Oh, the mules? Yeah, they had a they had an uprising and became their own. Oh, the, the gladiator tribes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. Why not? Absolutely. So, there, and there's, and by the way, there's a lot more races than just that. You can play halflings, fawns, farin, which are like shift, shifting like werecats. Nice. Hamadryads. You can play hamadryads. Yeah. You could play, uh, what else is there? Molkin. Molkin. That's a new one. Yeah. And they, I, are I new was, for me at least. I was reading the description of Molkin. And do you remember the kobolds in EverQuest where they kind of look like rat like faces? Or no, that's, that's, or they might be the kobolds in World of Warcraft. Both. Yeah, but they they look like they look like rats. Gotcha. So they're they're mole miners basically. You can play some nagas, sylphs. Yep. And your wrath, which if you remember the old three point five dromites, sort it's of similar to handbook? that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sort of similar to that. So they're hive minded bug folk types yep. of thing. And there's I'm sure that there's because there's a bunch of splat books I saw. There's probably other creatures too that you could play. So a lot of versatility with what you want to play. Right. And you choose that ancestry or race that you have, and then you kind of select some kind of character background behind that. And there's some tables you can roll on. I think you can choose them too. The way that stat points works is you start off 10 is the def is pretty much everything starts at 10 and you really don't go, you go like maybe plus one or plus two at the most. Gotcha. And, and as you level, you can, I think you can increase your stats as well. But, but I think like humans get, I think 10 across the board, but they don't really get anything special. And then some get maybe like a, like goblins get, I think plus two to agility. Right. But, or their decks and they get like a minus to something else. It's, but everything's pretty balanced in terms of stat points, which is nice. All right. So let's talk about character creation. All right. We talked a little bit about, some of the various heritage races that you can play. So obviously you pick your race. Yep. Then you pick your background or you, or you can roll it. There's a table. I would just say pick it just yep. because it's interesting. You select a profession. Yeah. And before that, by the way, it should be noted. You can also roll on tables. You can pick different things about your character. One of the things I thought was interesting was you can have an interesting object. Everybody gets one interesting object and there, some of them are minor magical. Most of them are just unusual objects, but they're all designed to give the storyteller something to mess around with. Like trinkets from 5e. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah, like trinkets. All right. So you can, after you get your background, you pick your profession. Which gives you some skills and stuff like that that you can use. And then you can either pick a second profession. Or you can be literate. Or you can be literate. Yeah. Reading's fundamental, guys. It, it costs you an entire other profession. 
but you do start off as a zero level character and it should be important to note that this is not really like XP based. Right. This is, this game works on milestone leveling. Yep. So the idea behind all of this is that you start your first story, some kind of adventure, and then you choose your novice path. And there are only four paths to being a novice. Right. You can be a cleric. A pre yeah, they call it priest. A warrior, a rogue, and a mage. Yep, magician. And and I believe that you choose that at level one, and then you get to level three. And then each one of those paths split, and you pick the next one up. Yeah, you split, and they split four ways. So the path of power is the magician class, and you get artificer, sorcerer, witch, and wizard out of that. Right. The priest is cleric, druid, oracle, or pal paladin. Yeah, so the path of faith. Right. The path of stabbing people in the face, you get the assassin, scout, thief, or the warlock. And the warlock is very flavored in terms of, like, I see it more of, like, a spell thief. Gotcha. And Got then the path of breaking kneecaps, i.e. the warrior's path, the berserker, fighter, ranger, or spellbinder. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting novice path as well. Or expert. That's, these are expert paths. Right. The spellbinder is basically a warrior that uses magic to infuse their weapons. Right. Like a rune caster or a rune carver. Yep. And then after a couple of levels of that, which basically just means a couple of stories. Right. You get to level seven and then you choose your master. Path. God, there's like 30, 40 of these and we're not going to go into all of those, but some of them are pretty awesome. And I will say they split according to skills or what you can do. So you have the art of face stabbery. So right. those are the warrior thiefy type paths and they're very specialized. Everything gets specialized or you go for so you the, can be a face stabber or a knee stabber. Correct. Or a foot stabber. Yeah. Or a divine versus arcane magic -y person. And what's interesting is, is the way that they did the magic system, by the way, is very much like if you guys remember second edition domain spells, right? More so than third edition, but you, you remember what I'm talking yeah. about. The big book, the, the spell compendium, the right. second edition spell, where they had like 40 different spheres and they had maybe like 10 or 15 spells in every sphere. Their magic system is very similar to that in terms of the amount of spells that you get. Each master path has a focus on that. Right. But you can also mix and match too. So you can multi-class at seventh instead of choosing a master class uh master path right yeah you can take another expert path if i'm an artificer and i want to jump a little warlock in there a little bit of thievery yeah you can do it and then that gives you some benefits but that also means that you have a delayed access to get to your master path and there's some really really cool things you can do with a master path i'm thinking though that because there are so many combinations you can work with an artificer spellbinder? Oh yeah. That that's got a lot of promise to that. That could be a lot of fun. There is specifically one which is a it's a wizard, I believe, that focuses on time magic. Sure. And all I was thinking was a character called Rerun, which is a thief with a warrior build that focuses on time magic. Sure. And I just keep doing the same thing over again. He keeps stabbing me in the back, but he's over here. 
little Prince of Persia action. Sure. You could do a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of fun built. And that's one of the things, and we'll get to the pros and cons in a minute, but that's one of the definite pros for this is that there are, granted, they're not super built out, so they're pretty minimal. But this game is very quick to play. You can just jump in, make a character in a few minutes. And go. And go. But there's a lot of versatility in this. And I find this a very interesting, very fun way to play. In fact, while we're on it, let's talk about playing this game. Okay, let's do it. So, we already mentioned combat's pretty straightforward as far as how you start it. Sure. And uh, even how you do it, right? You got your D20 plus your boons and veins. The magic system. Walk me through this. What do you got here? That's that Vancian system. So you memorize your spells for the day. Right. It's pretty straightforward. It's the typical wizard type magic system. Sure. If you ever played a wizard, memorize your spells for the day. That's what it is. Now, a lot of people have said it's limited because the spheres of influence, I keep calling them spheres, but they're, I think, arcane pass or whatever they're called. It's, it's very limiting in that most of the master paths will focus on one or two of those specific magic systems. But there are also master paths that are generalist. For example, there's literally one called Jack of All Trades. And so you can get spells throughout that. Now, the biggest thing about this is you may not get a large selection of spells, even with if, with if you go with, with a generalist, because it's like, here's a level, I get two spells. Here's a level, here's a level, I get another spell or two. It's not, I get 15, 20 spells. The difference, though, is the amount of spells you can cast per day. When you get access to first-level spells, for example, you might be able to only do one per day. And then as you gain levels, you can do three per day. But that's for every single spell. So if I know three first-level spells and I can do three spells a day, I can do nine Nine. spells. Okay. Which means at higher levels, it can get ridiculous. Right. So you may not be able to cast many spells, but if you pick your right spells, then you're basically a warlock blast all day. Right. You can also multi-class, grab an extra uh, extra layer of spell options. Or some extra combat to throw in so you can cast a spell, beef yourself up, go in, wade through some combat, heal yourself. Or there's Sky's the limit, right? A lot of versatility in this. Very simplistic in terms of some of that, but you can make very complex builds. Yeah, the world needs my Oracle Barbarian. Absolutely. Oracles are great, man. Yeah, that's that's one of the ones that I was looking at as an Oracle because after a while you become immune to insanity or you can basically go into this Oracle trance and you become immune to insanity, which is great because insanity is a huge problem in this game. Right. This is one of those things where min-maxers are going to love this game. Because there's all kinds of ways that you can tinker with the system. And again, it's written by the guy that wrote the Book of All Darkness. So there's a lot of shit that will mess with you. In fact, talking about that, the monsters are fucking cool. I'm, I'm just going to straight up say it. The monsters are awesome in this game. Lots of horrible things that are out there in the woods ready to bite and just crush you. It's, well, I think, what was the best way? What did I say when we were talking about it earlier? Oh, it's basically... D&D plus horror. It's the best parts of the Book of Vile Darkness 
from third edition mm-hmm. and then all of the devils and demons splat books that go with yes, it to the demon and right. all the other yeah because again it's shadow of the demon lord you can't you can't have a demon lord without demons and and monsters really yep so the monsters are cool the magic system is really interesting there's lots of different traditions grouped either by interwiz with the spells again very domain based style simple game mechanics yep it's fun lots of gross monsters lots of crazy shit you could throw out as far as like corruption scores and you could go crazy at any point in time i like a game that has immediate repercussion a, a, a repercussion system built in like corruption and insanity sure so a, a host of zombies attacks a village and everybody just goes crazy because they've seen their loved ones rise from the grave and start murdering everybody right and something else that's really cool about this is this game in particular and all of its iteration uh, you know all of its splat books they can easily be adapted into a d20 system easily this is easily adapted into any system you're playing. Or, honestly, I would say you could probably adapt a lot of D20 systems into, into this, this game. Yeah. I, I could easily see a lot of, like, Eberron stuff floating into this. You could do... You could adapt an Eberron game to this type of thing. Maybe the Mornlands decides to just take over in the shadow sure, of the Demon Sure, that's your War apocalypse. Comes, that's your apocalypse, man. Easily done. Or Zoriat, the... Yeah. Of madness yeah. decides to bleed through. Easily done. Easily Just done. reskin it. Yep. So I'll buy anything Robert Schwab touches. And I'm telling you this this is a great book to start off playing some fantasy horror. And this is why it was one of our choices. Yeah. I'm, I'm super interested in uh, in getting into this and, and taking a deeper look into some of the splat books and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're definitely going to play a game. Have you guys played this game? What did you think of Shadow of the Demon Lord? Write to us, info at goblinscorner.com, or you can hit me up, eric at goblinscorner.com, or me, Matt, at goblinscorner.com. Let's take a real quick break, and then we're going to come back with our super cool monster that we're going to review as well. If there are any topics you would like us to cover, goods or services you would like us to review, or if you would like to sponsor an episode, we would love for you to contact us at info at goblinscorner.com. See you there. And we're back. Welcome back. Dude, the monster for tonight. I love everything about it. Of course you do. I love everything about it. Once again, brought to our good friends at Eldritch Dream Games, we've got the Elasmo Breaker Reef Shark. Yes, sir. And it's got everything you love in this world. Yeah, it's sharks with freaking laser beams, man. It's a, it's a mechanical shark. It what is. more do I need? It's literally... A half animal, half machine shark with an AI chip to make it slightly smarter. I think it's, if we're going 3.5 edition, it would be like four or five intelligence because it's a minus three to its int score. Right. But it's a shark with six robot legs that kind of crawls along the bottom of the ocean or crawl, or you stick them in a dungeon. Yeah. And. Because they're amphibious. Sure. I mean, what, what can you say? They. They're also easily trained, so there are people who can use them as guard dogs. Yep. Um, they're partial constructs, so that means that they're half partially immune to paralyzed. Yeah. They, oh my God. They got the shark parts, which means you can bite. They've got the robot parts, which means you can 
They can hit. They can't swim. We do need to say that. Yeah, it's true. The only because thing... the robot parts are too heavy for the shark to swim. But they can float. They can. If if you buy the the Mecha Shark flotation device. Yes. It, it does have an AI chip, which makes it easily trained as well as increasing its intelligence. You have to love that. I want a shark that I can teach to play fetch. Yeah. And which is what I would use in my dungeon is just have a mechanical half submergible shark that I play fetch with. What are you gonna? What else are you gonna do in your spare time in the dungeon? Now I don't particularly know how this is written in terms. I, I, this is Pathfinder, but it's but it could be written for Starfinder as well, easily because it's got an AI chip, so you could adapt it to Starfinder. Sure, you could adapt this to honestly D and D. I would throw this in a fantasy game just to mess with people's heads. Now, all of a sudden, out crawls this this half mechanical shark. What the hell is this thing? Ah, it's a leftover from a bygone age. When people were much wiser than you now. The two places I would love to use this thing. Eberron. Yes. As a legacy from the last war. Oh my God. Yes. That, that, it perfectly fits the motif for that. Or a Spelljammer campaign. Yep. The other thing I was going to do, and I'm going to tell you guys, you got to get on it. If you listen to this, I want this thing, a playable creature for Starfinder. You know, nice. That. I want this. I want to walk up to a Playable bar as, as an amphibious, mechan, half mechanical shark. Nice. I think you should definitely suggest that, to Sean. He, I, he needs to know be how easily done. We got all the stats. Let's do that. That would be completely fun to to mess around with. Where can we find this wonderful creature to download? Why, Elder Stream Games, of course. They've got a Twitter account. They have a Patreon account. Patreon.com slash Elder Stream. Right, and they have an itch.io, so eldritchstream.itch.io, or you can hit them up on Twitter, at eldritchstream. Thanks so much for giving us this ridiculously awesome monster to review on a Halloween episode. That's all we got for tonight. Tomorrow we got one more game, which will be on Halloween. Hope you guys got your candy ready, because this is going to be a doozy. Can't wait for this. Once again, my name is Eric. And I'm Matt. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, guys. The Goblin's Corner is written and produced by Eric Holden and Matt Staples. The music is by the Mighty D20. This has been a Subterranean production.